Hey guys, and welcome to the Freelance Fairy Tales podcast. I'm Alex Fasulo, your host, six figure freelance writer, serial entrepreneur, Fiverr Pro seller, and digital nomad. You've come to the right place if you want to know more about working for yourself online as a freelancer today. I've been freelancing for over six years, and I want to share what I've learned with you. Welcome back to the Freelance Fairy Tales podcast, where we chat all things remote work, freelancing mindset, and financial freedom. This week, I am beyond excited to welcome on my friend, who I've not met in person yet, but we're going to fix this very soon, music director, podcast host, TV personality, entrepreneur, and in-demand DJ. I love that one. Nicole Rosé, known for her glam house-style music. Nicole has played Vanity Fair's International Best Dressed Awards and Lucky Brands Lounge at Coachella. I have tickets to Coachella 2022, by the way. She also recently competed on The Big Shot with Bethany, which I watched by HBO Max, and is the host of her very own podcast, Big Queen Energy. Hi, Nicole. Hi, Alice. Thank you so much for having me, honey. It's so good to see your face. I know. I was like so excited to have you on this ever since you had me on yours, which like I said, I don't know, was that two years ago or two months ago? I can't really tell anymore what's happening with time. I feel like since COVID started, like time is almost warped. Do you know what I mean? So warped. So it's like it moves slow and then it moves fast and I just literally can't keep up. Yeah. It, like, I feel like time doesn't move the same way it used to anymore. And sometimes I'll think something happened yesterday and it happened three years ago, or maybe that's just me getting older. That could be it too. <laughs> all right. So for everyone listening to this, they are all listening because they want to be freelancers or they want to quit their nine to fives. They want to have financial freedom. They want to break free. So you do a plethora of cool, non-traditional things. So why don't you just go back to the beginning and how did you get involved with DJing and kind of blazing your own path. Yeah. And you know, it's funny too. I didn't even, I didn't think about this, but when you were saying kind of, obviously I know exactly who your audience is because we've talked before and we're internet yeah. friends, like you said. <laughs> uh, it's so funny when you feel like you, you know, your internet friends, right? Like we were saying better oh, yeah. than your real friends. Cause you they actually won. read their posts. <laughs> You don't just scroll by it. Yep. <laughs> but yeah, so I am actually doing something very interesting now. I have a mindset and manifestation mentorship. So it's essentially coaching, which is really different okay. than when we talked last. So I'll, I'll get there. But okay, to, to dial it back a notch, to throw back to my throw early back. 20s, I started in an industry like not so different from the work that you do, right? It was a lot of copywriting, a lot of social media posts, content editing. We did events. I would oversee digital campaigns for brands and the integration between the digital components and the live components at an okay. agency in Soho, a couple of different agencies. But I wound up as director of digital at a company called Iced Media and clients like Ralph Lauren, Diesel, Theory, Swatch, Kmart, QVC. And I actually managed a team of like two in-house people and 10 freelancers. Okay. <laughs> that was my first experience wow. with working with freelancers, the different personalities, you know, really insanely creative people who didn't want to yeah. be tied to a desk that were, that yes. had much better ideas than me, but needed to be kind of like <laughs> massaged and reined in yeah. and put on a timeline and held accountable. But then they would produce incredible results. And so I kind of became like the freelance ringleader, just like you back okay. in my, in my, in my like mid twenties. <laughs> yeah. I'm the, I'm the OG, right? That was a You're while ago. 
And then I just, I think part of it was I saw all these other people making a good living freelancing. I was making, you know, six figures at that time. I was young. I was hustling, but I was on call every weekend. I was very busy. I started to feel very stressed. Like, don't really have a personal life. I had a boyfriend at the time who was lovely and would literally bring me food at work because that's like, it was that or like, it wasn't like seamless days, right? It was like much harder to eat if you did not have 30 minutes to like go and buy the $20 salad, right? Or whatever, (laughs) whatever it was in New York. And so, yeah, I, I decided, you know, it kind of was inspiration seeing these other people making a living. I left. I went off my own. I was like, well, what skills do I have? Right. I was like, so I could do web. I built websites for brands. I did social media mm. for private clients and I was DJing and I loved doing the other stuff, but the DJing was just so fun and it took off. And yeah, and I realized pretty quickly that it could be a business if I worked at it harder, you know, I would be able to get back to my income level in a year. All right. So I have to ask, because I also wish I was a DJ. Like, how does one get into DJing? Like, like, what was the moment? Did you buy the equipment that you needed? Or were you at a party and someone was like, here, just to like, take your hand at it and see if you can do this? Do you want the sexy answer or the unsexy answer? (laughs) Or both? (laughs) How about both? both? (laughs) So the sexy answer is I called my forensic psychiatrist's father and I was like, Dad, I'm having an existential crisis. I'm so unhappy at the agency. I need to do something different with my life. And he was like, you just need a hobby. And I was like, ooh. Hmm, that's an interesting concept to someone in their early 20s. Hobbies. Oh, my God. Yeah. I, I should have time for that. Yeah. So I then figured out that I wanted to DJ, wrote him a business plan, and he granted me that wish, which I'm super, mm. super grateful for. And I paid his investment back many times over. But the unsexy answer is how do you become a DJ? You literally sit in your house. You don't go out when your friends are going to the club. You're like sitting at home and you're practicing yeah. and you would t- you take any human breathing body that will give you feedback. You sit them on the couch, you put a glass of wine in their hand and you make <laughs> them listen. That's the, uh, that's the truth. That's how you become a real yeah. DJ. So, all right. So like when you play shows now, do you have to like show up with like a van packed with like all your gear in it? Or do these clubs like, do they provide the basics for you and you just kind of need a laptop and headphones? So usually everything's provided. I send a tech writer. So this is a really funny story. I did a partnership last week or the week before the week before into last week. It was a week long partnership with American Express Platinum for the relaunch of the platinum card with Resi in New York City on a boat right outside the water club on the east side in the 30s beautiful sunsets under the moon dj i mean it really felt kind of spiritual i was like amazing i could living my best life on this boat you know yeah and they i sent you know my team sends i have a manager and she has her team and whatever so there's people that help with these things making sure everybody stays organized and i even always check in because i'm psycho and type a and i you know i'm used to doing it all and it turns out that they sourced everything on my rider down to the exact type of rosé and water that I like to have in the booth, but not the right equipment. So I get there for a five-day gig, and they literally have thousands of dollars worth of equipment that is incompatible with my laptop, where all the, the program that I use, where like 100,000 songs are queued, edited, and stored. And oh, my God. I was like, you know what? It's okay. I'm not going to panic. I was like, this is just, yeah. I've, I've been really calm lately. Like I have this new thing. I'm, okay. I'm edging into 35 and things are just making so much sense. 
I like and that for you. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Me too. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> and I remember just saying to myself, like, I'm just going to take a deep breath. It's going to be fine. And I told my manager, like, hey, you know how you said that they said it was all good? Well, it's not. And here's the situation. Five yeah. seconds later, some new tech person who wasn't there before com- comes running over and he's like, what do you need? And I'm like, X, Y, and Z pioneer board. And he's like, I have it in my car. I'll be back in five minutes. I'm like, okay, <laughs> great. Oh my God. That never happens that someone just has no, the other never, setup. Literally in never. I was like, it's energy, right? It's like, I feel no. like every time that I don't, that I don't have that freak out moment that I don't panic, that I'm just like, it's all going to be good because you know what? I have DJed on my phone before and I can light up a party from my phone if I need oh to. Oh my gosh. I can tell. I know. I can tell from your Instagram. You're so much fun. I feel like anywhere you go, you just like make it fun. Like no matter what people are doing, you're like, I'm going to make it fun and everyone's going to deal with it. And that's it. <laughs> well, that's a huge compliment. So thank you. Fun <laughs> is actually one of my values. This good. is something that I, I always that. think about, like, right? Like just showing up every day is who we are. And yeah. yeah, I just try. I mean, it's what is life without fun? Yeah, like I feel that this world is getting more and more serious by the day. Yes. In so many ways. And I understand, you know, life is serious when bad things are happening. You can't make your bills and stuff. That's a serious problem. I get that. But I really just feel like our whole society, I feel like everybody needs some more jokes and laughter and just not taking everything so seriously. Like, I I really feel like everyone needs to lighten up a little bit. So I think that what COVID has done is thrown more people than normal into what I call survival mode and what other, you know, neuroscientists, et cetera, call survival mode, mindset coaches, et cetera, where people are just unable to access that playful fun but also intuitive Mm -hmm. creative unique side of themselves right and so when you're living in how do i make ends meet every day Mm -hmm. oftentimes it's very hard to access that carefree spiritual authentic self Absolutely. I mean, I feel like I always see people on TikTok and stuff. They say there's almost like a split in people. They call it like 3D and 5D. Have you heard of that? No, tell me. So they'll say like, oh, people who are in 5D are the ones who are like ascending mentally, like their minds are growing and, and growing into a new dimension almost where they're becoming more calm and tolerant and and understanding and all this stuff and everyone who's trapped in 3d are the people who are were like left behind before the pandemic so they'll always say there's like a schism happening almost between people today there's like those who are ready to start 10 side hustles quit their nine to five you know go drink like turmeric juice all day and then there's the other people who haven't gotten there yet i don't know i always think that's like a, an interesting concept to me that there's like a, a divide and people. If you think about that, it's true, right? Think about who you connect with. Like, I think you and I probably both live in 5D. And the (laughs) second that we got connected on Zoom, we were like, oh, yeah, no, we're girls, right? Like, we see life in a similar way. And and then, you know, but when you have friends over a long period of time, like, I'm sure you've had this experience where you think back to like, high school friends or college friends, and where it's like, you want to maintain that relationship, because it's meaningful, the memories are there. But you know, sometimes you realize that I got to stop myself from spewing spirituality mm-hmm. or positivity at them or, yeah. you know, creative, just eye-opening ideas or whatever, because they just don't care. They shut it down. It's like not, the friendship is just what it is. 
I feel like that's been the hardest part of aging in a way because I'm over here. I feel like if anything, I'm becoming more understanding, tolerant, and accepting of just everyone and everything as I get older. I I really don't feel like envy ever. Like I'm just happy for people. I just like I'm doing my thing. And I feel like what's been hard is I never want to let go of people that were important to me, but it's almost like as you get older, you recognize that you almost have to put up a wall sometimes to people whose mindsets are so negative so envious, so toxic to be around. You know, you almost feel like dirty when you leave from like hanging out with them. And it's like, you want to love them and you love them from afar, but you almost kind of know like, I can't do this anymore. And I feel like that's a like heartbreaking thing about getting older. I agree, but also I do think though, there's a way for us to put up an energetic shield around us before we go into some of these interactions and maybe we limit them. You know, maybe we limit it to twice a year, you know, and we just tell ourselves like, I still view myself as someone who has the ability to uplift, even if somebody's got their web, their guard up, right? So it's like, yeah. I think in, in that situation, I just, I look for my in, right? I'm like, where can I poke the hole and maybe open them up to something? And sometimes what's cool about that is you'll get a breakthrough and, and sometimes you won't. And you have to kind of yeah. be okay with either side of it and just know that that's how the interaction was meant to be. Yeah, and I feel like I always get called out for this. I'm so bad about putting up an energetic force field around myself. So I'll go to places and stuff, and I'll totally just feel my energy just being, like, devoured by all sorts of different not-good people nearby. And I'm just like, I have to figure out how to, like, make it so that they can look, but they can't touch. And I haven't figured that out yet. (laughs) Maybe you have tips for that, actually, if anyone is listening to this. You know, it is, it's actually something that we talk about in, so like I said, I alluded to the mentorship program that I developed. It is, there's a practice. So there's different techniques that different people can use for that. I think I'm highly empathetic, highly energetically sensitive like you. I can feel things. Right. I can I can kind of read vibrations and sometimes I misinterpret things, but oftentimes I can interpret things that are not tangible things. Right. So that makes us very energetically vulnerable in Mm -hmm. some situations. Right. And then and then what we call vampires like to prey on people like you and me with nice, shiny, bubbly energy. I call them that. Yeah, that's like it's a real thing. I am so empathetic like like you just said that i can physic i sometimes will feel physically unwell or drained from being around certain energies like it's so and people would probably think i'm nuts if i said this to them but you know exactly what i'm talking about yeah i'm always trying to figure out how to keep the vampire from coming in and just sucking me dry (laughs) and i'll go home and be like so here are some tangible things so there's Two things that are coming to me right now that might be useful for you or somebody that's listening that has experienced something similar. So one is a really simple visualization technique that's just literally something that I teach and I use where you close your eyes, you're sitting however you would meditate, right? In a very comfortable, relaxed position. Maybe you're cross-legged, your eyes are closed, you're relaxing, and you're just visualizing white light or golden yellow light coming from the ceiling above you from the universe or God or whatever you believe in. And it's just raining down on you in this beautiful, calm, warm, cozy shower. And it hits the back of your head. And then it just melts all over you. This bright white light, white golden light down from the heavens is just melting all over you and shielding you. And so Mm. even if you just do that, you sit in that, right? Can you feel that? That energetic kind of 
safety. It feels warm and fuzzy, right? It feels like it's locking your energy in, right? So that's what your intention would be when you're doing that. And so that one can really be useful. I've taught that to people who've said it really works for them. It works for me sometimes. Another thing is, is I have a practice called segment intending. And what that really is, you've probably heard of this before in some way, shape, or form, but it's just about your intention, right? So it's like, for instance, let's give an example of a best friend from college. She is always spewing negativity, right? And what are you going to do? Like, you love the person, and you're going to still see them occasionally. But so first of all, you have to think in a practical sense. You limit the amount of time you can be there, right? Maybe it's an hour that you can take. You limit the amount of the frequency of the get-togethers, right? So maybe it's twice a year for an hour. Like, you can handle that. And at that point, you're weighing the ROI. The benefit of seeing that person that matters to you laughing about the memories is probably higher than you know, cutting them out, right? And having that be a whole schism and and leaving both people broken, right? So, and then also, you know, when you're there too, you can change the subject. Like I'm an expert at just like when people are going down a bad path, like I reroute them. You know, you try, you gotta be like strategic. You gotta be very on point. But that's why you feel tired probably, right? Because it it doesn't, you you can't just relax. You're not just your friend, like where you can just say whatever you want. Yeah, exactly. Right, because they get offended at like half the things you say, right? But it's like, you know, it's not about you. It's about them. So first of all, is separating their energy from your energy. Just like how people, this is a good parallel, how everyone's talking lately, which is so true. And it took me so long to learn this about separating your worth from social media, like your worth from the amount of likes posted or the amount of impressions posted, like doesn't matter. Like you Mm -hmm. separate their energy from your energy. So literally you recognize that anything that they say or do and reaction or response to anything that you do is about more about them than about totally. you and about yeah, this oh, yeah. interaction, right? Yeah. And so you're just like, okay, boo, I love yeah. you and I want the best for you. You know, you just come at it, yeah. you know, with love, but you also can do the segment intending tactic where you're like, you go in saying, okay, I'm having dinner with so-and-so and I really just want to uplift her. I want to encourage her. I want to be a good force in her life. She's going through something hard. My goal is just going to be to shower her in love. And just try that. Try that sometime before you're going somewhere where you think you might feel drained. It works. Thank you for this. That is wise and profound and so true, all of it. Because I feel, yeah, when there's people that I know who are going to upset me, even though I love them, I'll almost head into the situation upset because I know they're going to upset me. I know they're going to say something rude. I know they're going to make fun of what I do for a living, whatever, however they poke me. I know they're going to poke. So I almost go in like, upset at them before they've even poked. (laughs) Right. It's so smart that you're recognizing that, Alex, because that is starting the energy off from this lower stance where then it spirals. But if you go in knowing this person just is the way they are, nothing they ever say or do can touch me because I love me and it's not about me. It's about their own self-worth and their own value. And you know what? Regardless of what they say, it's my job as a human being that loves other human beings to support and uplift them. And I am going to show up and do just that. They are not going to trigger me because I see it coming. I know that it's not about me. 
Yeah, and then you almost, you go on the offense so they can't ever really come into your little circle because you're like out here, basically. Because you know what their, you know what their game's about and you don't let it bother you because here's the thing, as humans living in 5D, to use your term, as evolved human beings, as human beings that have made the time or had the flexibility or the space or created it, right? Because we all can do whatever we want if we put our minds to it. Yeah. We, we've worked on ourselves. On the flip side of that comes a responsibility to help encourage and uplift, even in some small way, those who have not yet come to that understanding. Yes, that is okay. You have to go watch all the 5D videos now because you you sound like that's what they're essentially saying. Like, if you've arrived at 5D, you now need to help pull up the people at 3D to get up there with you because they aren't at 5D yet. So they can't actually fathom how you think. They can't understand it yet. Because they are below it still. I literally just made a note in my phone. (laughs) (laughs) But it's true. That's true. And so it's 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 just the concept. You know what it is to break it down in layman's terms, like or something that like your mom would say. It's like be the bigger person. I mean, it sounds more fun to be like bring up those in three D. Like don't take anything offensive, right? Like that's way cooler. (laughs) Like I would love to be like on that level, right? Not than just like be the bigger person. But I learned this at a young age. My dad married like this crazy Russian chick who was younger and like always just had it out for me and my sister. And you know what? It didn't matter that she was older than me. I had to be the bigger person at a young age that, and it, it saved me and my family a lot of heartache. And I would mediate between her and my little sister and her and my mother. And it just, there was, it's always better to be the bigger person. It's always better to, you know, if you're living in 5d recognize when those are, out of touch with themselves, right? Like if, if you think about it, if you're sitting across from another human and they are spewing negativity at you, making fun of anything that you're doing, where is that coming from? That is only rooted in jealousy and insecurity mm-hmm. and fear of your boldness, your authenticity. Mm-hmm. You have so many qualities that the thousands of people that follow you look up to genuinely. So y- think about it. Like you guys aren't even playing in the same sandbox. So you have to, like, it's your responsibility to just, you can keep your heart closed. You know, you don't have to be always available for, you know, to be a punching bag, but it's like you, you should be able to see that they're hurting on the inside. Right. Totally. No. And that's where I get in trouble. Cause I am, I wake up every day and I just want to help people. I I feel the pain in the world. I want to make it better. I want to help them. I I have had almost similar situations growing up where I want to try and help people like because I've seen a lot of people who didn't get help and and all this stuff. So the problem is that I get in almost too deep and I don't put the I love you, but er, you have to knock on the door first. I have to get better about that. But speaking of mindset hacks and all this good stuff, let's talk about manifesting and how you were on the big shot with Bethany. I want to talk all about that because I thought that was amazing. I thought you were fantastic on it. And the very first episode, I was like, holy shit, I think Nicole's going to win. <laughs> Wait, I thought, I thought the so. The first episode, because I felt like they made it look like I was chewing Adderall. <laughs> they, like, they painted you as like the like really bubbly, like chatty person on it. But at the same time, I could just tell I was like, I see Nicole. She's coming right out there. She's making herself stand out. She is making herself known and unique on this show. And I have a feeling Bethany is going to appreciate it. 
Well, you get it because you and I are both marketers, right? Like, what no, do we do no, at the no. end of the day? We're, we're marketers, right? Yeah. So you get it. But it's funny. I think I knew that I was an entertainer from from a long time ago like ever since i was a child i didn't know exactly in what way and then if you think about it yeah. it showed up in my life it's manifested right to use the term in a number of different ways from a dj to a podcast host to a tv show like all of that is entertainment yeah. right and so when i remember when i was like in my mid 20s i had just gone off right to to throw back to the beginning of this episode on my own and i was really trying to make the the dj business work and that was when i first discovered bethany and i was like oh mm-hmm. wow you know she's a force right and yeah. she wants yeah. to help and she yeah. is all about building companies that truly help women and she's like you know not mm-hmm. like these other housewives she's making it on her own i got respect for that she's a hustler she's smart she comes from you know a tough upbringing and still figured it out right or is figuring it out or whatever so i just really resonated with her and her message like so many people that love her and follow her and it was funny when she was the first person i really saw because i'm older than you right so that was the first point where i really saw someone use their influence right they're in quotes Mm -hmm. their social capital to sell products and i was like oh my god like she made a company, got on a TV show and then sold a bunch of stuff and didn't have to pay any marketing. Like this is genius. And then she gets licensing deals and does it replicates it. I'm like, Whoa, like I I never saw anything like that exist. My parents were in very traditional careers. They were successful, but very traditional careers. And so when I, when I saw her do that, I mean, I was like really motivated. Like that was my model of how I should try to operate, right? Build my influence in my sphere, which you know, it was different than hers, find a product that made sense that would help women and then maybe get on a show or use Instagram or other platforms to sell the product, right? At a lower cost than, you know, advertising back then was like unaffordable for a small entrepreneur, right? We're talking yeah. like over 10 years ago. Yeah. So, I mean, there just weren't, there weren't like Facebook ads, like the advent of Facebook ads created entrepreneurs, right? Because yeah. the people that didn't have a <laughs> ton of startup capital could sell yeah. things. Yeah, yeah. No, for sure. So she was an inspiration. And at the same time that that was happening, I didn't realize there was any connection, obviously, back then, because so many times in our lives, right, and this is also part of what the mentorship is about, is just doing the work to draw those connections so that you can actually start to realize them when you're in them later, right? So it's like so many times in our lives, things that we said or did in childhood or that we thought about in college or that our our friend's nickname for us or whatever, all this stuff winds up being connected, right? But then- Right. And, but we don't realize it's all a part of our story. We just think we're like on this one track. Gotta get here. Gotta yeah. get there. But when you realize all this shit is your story, it's all been happening for your benefit. It's all bringing you to this amazing place you're at your, now. And you don't have to worry about pushing forward because it's going, yeah. babe. You know what I mean? It's always yeah. been going <laughs> and it's still going. And I mean, that's like, that's the best way to combat anxiety. Right. Right. There is like, yeah. okay, history shows me that it's always all worked out. Here's why. But so at the same time, people kept reaching out about TV shows. And I was like, no, 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 no. And for whatever reason, though, everybody had this vision. And my college friends were like, why are you saying no? My college friends used to call me mini Bethany. It was a running joke in our group chat because they just thought I was going to be like her one day. And I know this is 10 years ago and then or eight years ago for that. And then people kept reaching out about TV. And I did give a few of them a shot. I so actually when I did 
end up with Big Shot with Bethany, I had been in six pilots before that. But not because I had been auditioning. I never went out to an audition. This was just yeah. people that found me on the internet, met me in person, found me through another influencer friend or something yeah. that wanted to work with me in some capacity. Wow. Summer House passed me up, which was a blessing in disguise, because once again, that show is not for me. It's not what I'm about, right? Yeah. To be a main character on that would just be like, I don't know, me trying to spew spiritual information at drunk people, right? Drunk what? myself, actually, right? Like, it'd be a hot actually, mess. That would actually make it hysterical, though. If you're like, I, I don't know why they passed. The with like a glass of wine. And if you're like, no, really, your your best self is just around the corner, babe. Like, stick with <laughs> it. <laughs> Wait, that's, that's like legit me. Like, I am that person in the club at the party, in the corner, like, my friends all over Labor Day in the Hamptons went to, where did they go? Why am I blanking on it? It starts with an R. Man, this is going to kill me, but whatever. Oh, Some Ra- club. Ra- no, 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 no. What's it? Rush Myers. Rush Myers. Thank yeah. you. Oh, my God. That was going to kill me. <laughs> they all went to Rush Myers. It was, like, Sunday night. Like, it was, like, the big night. There was a big DJ. Yeah. I love house music, so whatever. But it was, like, 10. We had been at Sunset Beach, and I was like, you know what? I'm good. I I had like half a case of Wolfler Rosé left. I was like, I'm going to sit in the hot tub and have a glass of Rosé, maybe a bottle, but you guys do you. (laughs) And one of my friends stays back. I don't know him that well. He's one of my best friends, good friend. He's her neighbor, so they're very close. And this guy named Nick, and he stays back. And I swear to God, I mean, I don't know if he's happy or what, but like he got an hour of my undivided attention about reading his energy and helping him shift things. Oh my god, that I feel like that happens with me a lot. Where these people, I'll like end up helping them for two hours, and I'll be like, "Wow, I like should be charging for this." <laughs> but you like it so much, right? Yeah, like yeah. I can tell you're like me, where it's like the time passes. Like I'll be on with clients, and I'll be like, "Oh, we're an hour over our session. Like I got to stop doing that." Yeah, but like I'm in flow, right? I'm in my zone of genius. I love to help basically psychoanalyze people. That sounds like in a negative way. I love to sit there with people and listen to them and go, no, this is actually, no, you're actually scared of success. No, you're actually scared of failure. No, you've internalized criticisms from when you were eight that you haven't unpacked yet. Like, I love helping people break through that stuff. Yeah. It takes someone else. We can't do that all on our own. You know, there's some things we can do like, I'm a big proponent of journaling. It really can help you see things about yourself. Hmm. I need to get better. I don't journal yet. And I really should being like a writer. Why don't I do that? You know, at night, I end up just like reading books and stuff. And I really feel like I should start journaling. Everyone tells me to. So don't do something because everybody tells you. Okay. My advice on journaling, and I've said this because everyone, like everyone always says, because I think journal and even manifest journaling, right? It's trendy right now. Like like, journaling is just so trendy right now. Yeah. I do not journal every day. I do not psychoanalyze every day. Like, no. I'm good. Like I watch yeah. a TV show or then read or read a book or like listen to an Abraham Hicks recording or whatever I nerdy shit that I do. But I do not journal every night. But when I am trying to work through something, I journal. Especially if I don't have like my business coach right now or mm. I don't know, my mom's busy or I don't know, you know, I don't really talk to my therapist that much anymore. I had somebody when my dad passed away for a while, but like I could call him, mm-hmm. but it's like, if I can sort it out on my own by, you know, or your best friend, right, can help you. But it's like, if you, if someone's not yeah. available and you need to work through something, I mean, you can call me. I love to help. But it's like <laughs> journaling and writing about it. Sometimes you have revelations through that. So just use it in that time when you're yeah. in, when you need it. And I see a lot of people 
they aren't at that point yet where they're almost taking self-accountability and everything, where they're they're still blaming everyone. Yeah. And everything. And and that's when I always try and step in and help them realize like unfair, horrible things happen to people all the time, to you, to me, to everyone. Like really shitty things happen. And that is living to me. You know, there's nothing you can do to stop that, but the only thing you can control is how you react to it. And a lot of people don't want to hear that yet because they want to just sit there and think that life is really unfair for them and they should be angry and they should be resentful and upset because they've been dealt a bad hand. But I really, yeah, I think a big part of this whole journey when you reach 5D is realizing that you're actually in control of how you respond to everything. You're in control of everything. The ultimate manifestation is being in control of your emotions, right? No one can touch you. No one can reach your energy. Nobody knocks you off, you know? So what you're saying too, that's a funny thing. We, I do this, maybe we should do this together. I do this one hour mindset masterclass on going over all the mindset blocks that people are facing. So if you want, maybe you and I do like an an online training together, like free training, set it up, get people in. And then we figure out who you can help and who I can help or how we can help them together. But so what you're talking about is the victim mindset. And I've been there so I can see it. And I've been there at points in my life. I've been there twice. There were two points. There was a point where my, when I lost my father, I lost my grandpa, my father and broke up with my boyfriend all at the same, like within a few months of each other. And I just Mm -hmm. spiraled and felt like everything was happening to me, not for me. And was very angry at the world. And if you would have told me what you just said, I would have like spat in your face. Right. So, so Mm -hmm. I get that. Mm -hmm. And then there was another point when I had that whole, my first experience with like, I had that whole very public new front page news break in with my doorman who did very creepy things and then mold poisoning. Okay. And just like, it felt like my life was just spiraling. Like I, but once again, Directly or indirectly, I influenced some of that. You know, my energy was in a very bad place Mm -hmm. when all those things started happening. I was very stressed on a different company I was working on, and it was probably the wrong fit. And I was trying to force it with my action rather than listening and following the signs and, you know, being guided somewhat rather than just do, do, doing, right? But that victim mindset, what's funny is you'll notice this when people are ready, they'll let you know. So I had a client come to me recently who I've known for years, who's, who's followed me on Instagram. We've had deep conversations before over DM and whatnot. And she said this week or last week, she was like, I want to come out of the victim mindset. I need help. And I was like, I love that. I'm here for you, girl. Like, yeah. we got this. But, it, you know, when they're yeah. it's like when they're ready, they're going to let you know. I know. And, you know, that's the toughest part of it, though, because it's like as people who want to heal and fix and whatever and help other people. You just want to show them, like, it's actually so much easier than you think, but you it's really only our job to plant the seed and step away. And when it grows, they know who to come to when they're ready for that chat. But until then, it's like, you're almost like a parent. Like, you just have to watch them make the mistakes. And you're like, oh, I wish you didn't have to do that. But there's nothing you can do. They, they Absolutely, they have to hit that point of self-accountability. And that's a huge part of freelancing. I see with a lot of people, the successful ones and the ones who aren't successful the successful freelancers are the ones when the clients flip out at them in the beginning and say, your press release sucked or this website sucked or whatever. They hear them. They take in that criticism instead of, you know, self-pitying in it. They fix what was wrong. They do better. They work harder. You know, they overcome it. And then the people who stew in that and get offended by the client saying that, get emotional about it, all that stuff, they're the ones who end up then 
not succeeding at it. And it's all, it, that's it. It's mindset. That's all, all of this is. All of it. All of life, right? All like literally, life. you're right. And I think it, that, you know, what's funny. That's, I think what truly got me into this work because I had been building my own mindset practice. I have a very specific morning routine that I like stick yeah. to every single day. And the reason is when I went off on my own, it was scary as fuck. I don't, can I say that on here? Like yeah. I was terrified, right? I was like, oh my God, is she going to make it? Can she yeah. do this? Is she cut yeah. out for all this rejection and just stalking people down for their checks? I mean, just like uh, yeah. sexual harassment. I mean, just the mm-hmm. things that I've dealt with over yeah. the years in entertainment. It, you have to keep your mindset in check or all of your experiences will become you instead of yeah. you owning them. And I like that for everyone listening, like you just admitted, you know, starting your own thing, being your own boss was scary at first because everyone, you know, they get they get nervous to try freelancing and whatever because they're afraid of that scary period and, and if it will ever end. But you guys, from all the guests I've had on the show, it's all the same journey for all, everyone. You'd finally jump in. It's scary to jump in. And then you realize a month in, I can do this. I'm a badass. And then it's really never scary again. Maybe not know. a month in, but a couple <laughs> months. Like, so they, yeah, say it's right. a, they say that even if you're working in a corporate job, right, that it takes like six months to get comfortable. I think that would yeah. be like a good... Like, if you check in at six months, you're probably like, I got this. Yeah, but and I would say for me, and and tell me if this is the same for you, that scary period of when you were first making it work, once you make it through it, like, once you have enough confidence in yourself to get enough checks to pay your rent every month, you don't know how you're going to do it, but you know you can do it, and that's all that matters. It's never really that scary again. Once you work through one fear... Yeah. There's a, just a new fear, right? There's another yeah. door that you're going to have to bust through at some point yeah. and kick it down. Yeah, that's the way fear works. Yeah. And I, I, all right. So I was also for this, I was stalking you on LinkedIn and I saw that you are an investor to Out East, it's called. It's a rose. Okay. I love that. Can you tell me, like, how, how did you become an investor in a wine brand? Because I want to do that. So they found me. <laughs> On Instagram, because I did so much work. I used to be, like you said, the music director for Whispering Angel, which is the world's highest, you know, America's highest grossing rosé. I don't want to say the world because I don't know if that's 100% accurate, but it is the most drunk rosé in the U.S. And so I traveled everywhere with them. Our Basil, Coachella, we did events all over. Boat show, Aspen for New Year's, like you name it. We did all the cool things. It's a great experience for two years. And the Out East team found me on Instagram through Instagram posts that Whispering Angel would like put up about me or that I would put up about them or hashtags or whatever. And they DM me, we met and it was like, I liked what they were doing. And the product was, I knew the industry, right? The product was a great price. The product was a high quality product. It was better than what I had been slanging. So I was like, all right, let's try it, you know, but it's it's a risky investment. Like that's a much, it's a long, you know, the pandemic's been tough for businesses like that all right so i feel like the moral of the story with you and all of the awesome amazing things that happen is because of your social media or your digital presence in a way like how much you just put yourself out there online is why all these incredible things come your way because you're just yourself out on the internet you know it's so funny thanks for saying that to me i mean because it's like it's true all these things found me online and you know it's funny all the women that find me for the mentorship, they, they see the TV show or they find me on Instagram or both. Yeah. And then boom, they're sitting with me in zooms every week. You know what I mean? So it is. Yeah. yeah. I mean, look, it, 
And the internet is a powerful place, you know? I mean, people don't meet. It's a virtual world now. That's where you meet clients. And I like sometimes I feel like I should be better about Put it, posting more and using the using Instagram more and like every time I post, even like a fashion pic, like I posted something for Revolve that I did for Fashion Week, just like an ambassador campaign yesterday, and I notice that new people are applying, even if it's only two, but new people apply to the mentorship. So mm-hmm. it's like if I post it every day, I'd never have to run an yeah. ad, right? But it's like I don't know, it's probably just easier to run an ad. <laughs> post yeah, every day. no, I mean. I know people are scared to post online or they don't want to post online, but I always say it to everyone. You guys, I just, I throw like three TikToks up a day. I don't even care what I look like in them. I don't know how you do that. <laughs> like my hat goes off to you, girl. I just like anytime I mildly try and look decent, I'm normally just in like gym clothes all the time. I just make sure I record a video. That's it. But you, how do you post three a day then? They're 15 seconds. I'll just quickly, like, after this, I'll be like, hey, guys, here's three tips for freelancing. Hey, guys, here's three ways to make more money today. Hey, guys, check in on your mindset. Like, Dude, t- I, need, I need you to be my TikTok coach. <laughs> I need it. Okay, I don't know if, I, if I'm not following you. I'll be following you and watching all these TikTok tips. I'm a crazy person. <laughs> we have not cracked the TikTok. Oh, my God. We'll, we'll crack it. That's, it's an easy one to crack. It's, it's the opposite of Instagram. You don't have to try. You just, be your, you just post. Great. Sounds good. Cool. <laughs> All right. As much as we could probably chat for three hours, me and you, where can people find you, purchase your services, work with you? I love that. Where are you at? Yeah. So my Instagram, if you type in Nicole Rose or Nicole Rose, I, you'll find me. It's But the full handle is Nicole Rose Stillings, which is my full name for those of you who don't know. And our website for the podcast is just Big Queen Energy Pod. It's on Spotify or Mm -hmm. Apple or anywhere that you listen. And there is a page that says Mentor Me on there where you can find everything about Queens of Creation, which is an eight-week program helped to, which aims to revamp people's mindsets and help them manifest their dream life. I love that. I may need to book that to be determined. (laughs) We'll find out. But thank you for coming on, Nicole. I will now end this and you and I will probably go chat in private. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you so much for having me, love. 